get started here. Um, I appreciate the singing and actually the nerves to stand up there and do it because, <laughs> because I know what it is to be up here and the sweaty palms after a life of, of being around it is always the case. People ask me sometimes, do you get nervous? I'm like, yeah, that's why I got a handkerchief because the palms get sweaty. And actually, for now, it's goofy allergies and so forth. So, um, all right, Isaiah 34 is where we're going to get started this morning. Uh, we've been looking at the grace reset. We introduced last two, time to you the issue of the grace life. So we're going to be doing the grace life, grace reset, grace life, and kind of a, a montage here over the, over the coming weeks. And this morning, we're, I want to start with the issue of our final authority. And really, my goal here <laughs> is to cause you to fall in love with the Word of God, honestly. And because when you look at it, I mean, we can debate the doctrine of inspiration. We can get into the doctrine of preservation. By the way, those are, those are two great doctrines in Scripture. And we'll see some verses as we go through this morning where they are uh, taught and established and so forth. But as we begin to look at the issue of, of living life as who we are in Christ, the grace life, we need to establish here who is our final authority and really what is our final authority. You need to do that in life, you know. If you're in any kind of a, I, I, I think about like, you know, nursing, engineering, lawyer, any of that, you have a final authority. It's called the law. It's called the medical books. It's called, so when you and I come to living life in Christ, we have to have a final authority. We have to have a, something and, some, and someone who, when I disagree with, it's right. When I'm right, when I agree with it, then I'm on good ground. And whether I agree or disagree, it's always right, no matter what is being said, done, taught, and so on, because as we go, by the way, today's Palm Sunday, okay? Hopefully a palm doesn't fall down and hit you in the head. That's about all you can do. Next week is Easter Sunday. We celebrate Easter every day, the resurrection. We don't, we don't need a calendar day and a religious calendar. We celebrate the life of Christ. Why? Because, well, just as they were singing, I am redeemed, amazing grace. So we ought to be celebrating that every day, not just once a year, uh, there's a great, mon a great thing in, in preach among preachers, and, and the question is always asked, how many CEOs do you have? And I'm like, CEOs? Christmas and Easter only. People go to church on Christmas and Easter only. How many of those do you have? I'm like, well, I don't have any of those. <laughs> they come when they come, you know. <laughs> but the thing is, is this morning, I just want to bring us back in and think about this issue of the Word of God, Isaiah 34. And we're not going to be looking at all the doctrine that all these passages sit in. I just want you to catch the testimony here, verse 16. Seek ye out the book of the Lord, and what? And read. Isn't that wonderful? The book says what? Seek out the book of the Lord, and read. That's fantastic. That's a wonderful place to start, we, we are told that God loves a book because in the scriptures, at least 196 times the word book or books is used. The word book is used, I think, about 188 times if I remember my, my uh, search. 
the book of the Lord, the book of life, the book of the commandments, the book of the kings, the book, the book, the book. So if so, God is a God of a what? Of a book. So then guess what we are to be? A people of a book. And as you begin to think about it, it starts in Genesis 5, verse 1, the book of the generation of Adam. And, uh, and it ends in Revelation 22 with, with him telling, John telling the, 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 in, in the new heaven, the new earth, to keep the sayings of this book. Three times he warns across the scriptures of, of Israel. He does it in Deuteronomy. He does it in Proverbs. He does it in Revelation. Don't mess with the words in this book. Paul comes in for you and I and tells us in at least two or, well, maybe three sections, don't mess with the book. Why? Because it's where we're going to get our final authority. Come over to Exodus, if you will. Um, I know the list is there. You have it. You can look at it and keep it, or you can just hitch up and let's go, okay? Because I, I did a lot of verses here and, and so forth, not to overwhelm you, but just to just so you can see, again, fall in love with the book, the Word of God. Uh, if, if you look at Exodus 17 and verse 14, the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a what? In a book. And rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of, the, of, of Amalek from under heaven. But what did he tell Moses to do? Write it in a book, dude. Write this down. Write it. Come over to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. You're going to get to know your Old Testament this morning, and which is fine. Isaiah 30. I don't know. You don't have anywhere else to be today. Um, so we'll get you out of here by tomorrow morning, okay? All right. Just kidding. Isaiah 30, verse number 8. He's talking to Isaiah. Actually, he's talking prophetically about the future. He says, now go, write it before them in a table, and note it in a book. Now watch. So what did he just tell Isaiah to do? I'm giving you words, Isaiah, inspiration, God-breathed words. You're going to go write it down. That, why am I writing this down? Why am I noting it in a book? That it may be for the time where? To come. Not, it's not going to happen right now, but uh, historically some things will. But it's for those guys out there. It's to come forever and ever. You know, how, you know what's going to happen in the last days out there when the 70th week of Daniel is on and all that stuff is going? They're going to have the book because God's preserved it through time, through history. He does it through the issue of multiplicity of copies. The originals are not the issue. You know that. Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments and busts them. He broke up the originals. God said, that's okay, grab them, let's come back up here, and let's rewrite them, and he rewrote it. You remember Jeremiah, and the king takes a penknife and cuts up all Jeremiah. Jerem the Lord says, that's not a problem. Let's rewrite it and then add some more to it because that guy's going to nail it. You know? And so the, the issue of the book here, write it down. Look back with me at Isaiah 8. Fascinating little verses tucked away in things like this. Isaiah 8, look at verse 1. This verse, it helped me not win an argument because I don't argue to win. Well, I do. Otherwise, why argue, right? No, it just helps. 
Clarity, thank you. Isaiah 8, look at verse 1. Moreover, the Lord said unto me, Take thee a great roll, and write in it with a man's pen concerning... And that guy. <laughs> but look at what he said to do. He, he doesn't say use sticks and stones and hammer and chisel. He says what? Write it with a pen. You know what that tells me? By the, it tells you a lot of things, doesn't it? It tells you that God uses man, uses men to write. He uses a human author. The personality is there. But it also tells you that the people back there in 742 B.C., if Usher's date is anywhere near accurate, I, I believe it is, that they had a what? They had pen and paper. They weren't backwoods, cave, dwelling, ooh, me man, you woman, let's go, you know, none of that nonsense. But they got a pen. He sits down at the desk, and, he, and what does he do? He writes it down. But what is he writing? Take thee a great roll and write in it with a man's pen. He's going to come up, the Lord said unto me. And the words now, come, come over with me to 1 Corinthians 14. There's going to be something written down. Now, if, you're, if, you, if you've studied with us in the past, when God created the universe, the second heaven out there, the starry firmament, he had intended to write all of this in the stars, in that planetary, the solar system out there. But what happened? Lucifer fell. Lucifer corrupted all that. Have you read your horoscope lately? Well, did you know that the 12 signs of the, of the zodiac are in Scripture? So their original intent was good, but what did man do? What did sin do? It corrupted that. So what did God do? Let's write this stuff down then. Let's get it in a book, Moses. Moses, the first writer, he would write a book. He, he writes it, and he puts it in that Ark of the Covenant for safekeeping. Then the Levi was going to take that, ark, that book out and add to it the next book, and then add to it, and add to it. And it was like a three-ring binder, if you, thought, if you will, and they just keep adding to it. But after the Levite did what? Went over here and made the king a copy, made the people a copy. He made copies and copied that bad boy out. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I say unto you... No, I didn't read that right, did I? That I what? Write unto you are the commandments of the Lord... You see, it isn't so much of what Paul was saying, it's what Paul was doing what? Writing it down. Why? The written word doesn't change unless you change it. And the scripture wasn't changed. Come over to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Galatians 1 verse 20. Paul says, Now the things which I write unto you, behold before God, I lie not. I, I do what? I write to you. If you come over to the end of the book of Galatians in chapter 6. Oh, Galatians 6 verse 11. You see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. A large, I think he wrote in all caps. You know how you type in all when you're yelling? Because Galatians, he's not just smooth talking them. He's, he's a... He's an upset dad with a disobedient child, and he's dealing with him. I write unto you. Uh, come, uh, come back to Luke 1, where we are in Luke 
Luke 1. Luke 1, verse number 3. Luke here writing, he's gone in and he's, he's inspected all of the eyewitness accounts. He went in and he looked at all of the records of the day about these events. And he says, verse 3, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis, that thou mightest know the what? The certainty. You see, the writing brought the certainty of it. So as Luke peruses the daily magazines and the daily newspapers, and he trolls through the blogs, and he gets all the information out, what did he do? He goes, I got all that, and then I wrote it down when I confirmed it, that it was true. No fake news here. Come over to Revelation chapter 1. So Luke, right. John Revelation 1, verse 11, Revelation 1, 11, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and what thou seest. Notice the command of Luke or to John here on the book of the Revelation. He's been carried off up there in verse 9. I, John, also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and the patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos. Why was he there? Well, history says, and religion says, and the theology says, and the scholars says, because he's on exile. But John doesn't say that. Why was he in the Isle of Patmos? For the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You know why he was there? He was there to get the book. And then the Lord tells him, you know what you're going to do? You're going to write what thou seest, verse 11. What thou seest, write it in a book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, and off you go. Come down to verse 19. John, he's carried over into Patmos in the spirit. He's getting the word. He's writing it down. Watch what he, how he writes, verse 19. Write the things which thou hast seen. It's a written record of the events that he saw. No commentary by, Luke, or by John here. He saw this. That's why every verse, almost every verse in Revelation starts with that three-letter word, and. I saw this, and then I saw that, and I saw that. and I, That's why when you hear teachers of teach Revelation, they get so mixed up. Why? Because, well, some teach it in a loop, some teach it in a line, some teach it in a, you know, it's like just take it as it came because that's how he saw it. And the things which are. Think about that. The things which are. What they mean. That's what he's talking about. Not a time thing, but here's what they mean. If, by the way, if you look at verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden sticks, candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So what are they? They're not candlesticks and all that. They're what? The churches. See how he defines that. Write this down, man. Write the things you see. Write the things that are. And then, verse 19, the things which shall be hereafter. Be the next thing. Shall be. I saw this, and I saw that, and I saw that. What are these guys doing? Come over to 2 Peter chapter 1. They're writing the stuff down. They're writing the information. Why are they writing it? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is what? Profitable. It's profitable here, isn't it? It's profitable for 2 Peter 1. It's profitable for uh, 
doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction. Israel and her program, they need to know. You know what? There's 400 years of silence between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew. Why? You know what God says? There's going to be a famine in the land one day, and the famine in the land is going to be of my word. I'm not going to talk to you anymore, Israel, because you're not my people. You're carried away. So the minor prophets are written. The, uh, um, uh, the five majors are written. Why? Because there's a famine now in the word. And they're going to cry, and they're going to seek it, and they're going to go looking for it, and they're not going to find it because it's sitting right down there where they need to be in their belief system, but they're not there. They're following false gods. That's why in Luke 1, when that angel Gabriel shows up to Zacharias, he's quite, he's scared to death <laughs> because there hasn't been any angel showed up until that moment. 2 Peter 1 Verse 21, by the way, verse 20, knowing, the fir knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, that verse, gets mis mis that verse gets abused. Private interpretation, every verse is linked to every other verse. Not, it's not designed to just stand on its own. It's designed to stand in the corporality of it all. So don't pull out a verse. Yeah, people do word studies. One of the most dangerous study you could ever do is a word study. Because a word has a context. And it means something in the context that you're studying. You have to be careful with that. I'm not saying don't. I do. But just be there. Verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Who's, doing the re who's really doing the writing here? The Holy Ghost is. But who's he using? Man. He's using men. He's using their, their, their nature. Do you know why Matthew talks in such a governmental, kingly manner? Because who was Matthew? He's a government official. He speaks in that. Luke deals with the Lord as, as the man, the son of man, and, and you see how he felt. And Luke is who tells you that at Calvary, in the garden, he sweated drops of blood in the garden. Luke says that. The other ones don't. John, you know why John talks about God being the Son of God, who He really is? It's because John is the apostle whom He loved. When they're in the upper room, and the Lord says, there's somebody here going to betray me. Remember what they ask? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? You know that 11 of them said, is it me? John's the only one that said, who is it, Lord? In other words, it ain't me, so who is it? Why? Because he loved the Lord. He knew who he was sitting in. He's sitting in the presence of the Son of God. So when you read Scripture, come to 1 Corinthians 2. When we read Scripture, we are literally talking to the Lord face to face. 1 Corinthians 2. When you read your Bible, three chapters a day. By the way, I hope I don't have to say in a King James Bible to this group. Okay? I would hope so. But just in case, we'll answer a little bit of that in a little minute. Actually, I forgot my paper, so we'll answer it in a little bit. Okay? When you look at the Word of God, when you read your Bible three chapters a day, you're literally talking to the Godhead. 1 Corinthians 2. Look at verse 9. 
But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that loved him. How do I know the things that God has prepared for them that love him? My eye gate doesn't get it done. My ear gate doesn't get it done. My heart gate doesn't get it done. I don't get it done. How do I know? Well, religion says you can't know unless I, unless a preacher tells you. Unless you get an inner feeling of an outward expression of an inward faith and it's got you all, you know, bound up inside. No, what does he say, verse 10? But God. Never read verse 9 without reading verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. Well, wait a minute. How does the Spirit express that? Second Peter 1, what did he do? He used holy men to do what? Write the Word of God. The Holy Spirit works in the words. He works in the Word of God. He doesn't work separate from the Word of God. He doesn't work outside of the Word of God. Genesis 1.1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, and the Spirit moved. Remember what verse 3 starts? And God, what? Said. And creation began. You see, the Spirit, verse 10, For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what, what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. The only way that you know the, the things of God, the only way you is because you've got the Holy Spirit. Now, how'd you get him? <laughs> well, you trusted the gospel message. When you trusted, Ephesians 1.13 says that when you heard the word of your salvation, the gospel, and you believe that the Father comes in and seals you with the Spirit, indwells you with the Spirit, circumcises you, regenerates you, indwells you, baptizes you, seals you. He goes to work in you so that now when you come to the word of God, you know what you're able to do? That's God's word. That's not. The Spirit is doing the work. Now, the only way that we get a glimpse into who God is and what He's doing and what He wants us to do and what He requires and so on is through the revelation. And you know what He did? He said, write it in a book. Get her done. And He writes. And the criticalness is 2 Timothy 3. The critical issue here is the words. And the words of God written down using pen and paper and then preserved down through history. I know what the critics say. You can't find God's word in the dark ages. You know why they're you know why they say that? Because they're not looking for God's word. God's word was there. They're not it's folks, religion is the big show and go. God works in the little remnant, little things over here. You remember Gideon? How many did he start out with? Quite a bit. A couple thousand. Then he ended up with what? 300. They had a test. Get them down. Why? God isn't working in the big. He's working over here in the, in the believer. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed. These are his words. By the way, just verse 15, talking to Timothy, and that, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, 
well, what did Timothy have from a child? Did he have the original? Well, he had a copy, didn't he? Notice the Holy Spirit called the copy Holy Scriptures. Fascinating. Put that in the back of your mind. Come over with me to the book of John. All scriptures given by inspiration of God. God breathed. By the way, you'll notice we're not talking Greek and all that good stuff. Why? Because you don't you just need to read the English. John chapter 4. And just notice this, because the English is what people always ask me. Well, what do you do when someone doesn't use a King James Bible? Keep preaching out of the King James Bible. Eventually they'll catch on and make a move. Now you can argue and debate. But that usually doesn't always work. you got to know the person. <laughs> but if you keep talking from King James Bible language, God's Word, then eventually, you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, wait a minute, something's not right here. And they'll make that connection. See? So you don't need the Greek. You know when you need the Greek and the Hebrew and all that? It's when you're trying to win an argument, so you show how much more you know. And actually, you're really showing your ignorance of what you don't know. <laughs> You just need to read the English. John 4. i got to keep going. I'm on the back page of number 1, okay? John 4. Hopefully I'm not going too fast. I think it's pretty straightforward. Here's the final authority, folks. John 4. Look at verse 24. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in what? Truth. Isn't that interesting? Everybody, we want to worship God. Worship, worship, worship. And they do an hour of kumbaya and, you know, singing and all that. That ain't worship. That's fulfilling the desires of your flesh. You know what worship is? It's in the truth. It's in the spirit. It's, it's operating in your inner man. Come over to chapter 6 of John. Chapter 6. By the way, I tried to stay in one book or two books. I didn't, you know, run a bunch of... 663. It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, and they are what? Isn't that interesting? He says, you're going to worship me. You, are, you that worship me, you're really worshiping the Father, the one that sent me. And where do you worship me? You worship me in spirit and in truth. And the words that I speak unto you, what are they? They're spirit and truth. They're spirit and life. Come over to chapter 17. John 17. You see, it's... <laughs> John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That's fantastic. The final authority for the Lord Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry was the word of God. That was his final authority. Because he knew what? He knew who spoke it. Who spoke it? Well, the Father did. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and there you go. Come over to chapter 10. Chapter 10 of John. Just fascinating here. Chapter 10 and verse 35. Chapter 10, 35. If he called them gods, unto whom the Word of God came, and the Scripture, notice, cannot be broken. You know why the Lord believed, trusted the word of the Father? Because he knew the word of the Father could not be broken. He knew that. Now, doctrinally, there's a lot of things going on there. I'm not trying to, I just want you to see the reference to the Scripture is what? can't be broken. It's life. It's truth. It's spirit. Come over to chapter 15 of John. 
John 15. John 15, verse 3. John 15, 3. Now ye are ye the actually the ye here is the little is the believing is the uh, twelve apostles, the eleven apostles in the upper room. That's the context. Ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. In Ephesians 5, in verse 26, where Paul is dealing with the marriage relationship and the husband, and he uses the Lord and the church, and he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. What cleans you up? The washing of the word. That's we, I call it wife washing when we go through there. What are you going to wash your wife with, guys? You're going to use the Word. Use a little water. might make it easier on her. But you're going to use the Word. Why? Because the Word, John 15, 3, is what? It's what cleans you up. It's what's cleaning you. Now, come back to Psalms 119. I would encourage you to read Psalms 119. There... There's 152 verses in that passage. No, I'm sorry. Uh, 176, sorry. And every verse in that chapter is about the Word of God. Now, look at Psalms 119. Look at verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How's a young man going to clean up? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. How does, the, how does God through Paul tell you to clean up? Then I'm going to get in Paul's epistles and, and figure out what? How to get cleaned up. What do I do? I put off the deeds of the old man and I put on the deeds of the new man. I get in there and I learn about my identity. I learn about how I'm supposed to live and, and operate in life. And I go do that and I don't go back over here and do this. I clean. But what cleans you up? 2 Timothy 2, Paul says there about the, the servant of the Lord being gentle, instructing those that oppose themselves, that they may recover themselves, he says. How? By getting back, getting that word, getting it in you and getting moving. Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. What protects you? Titus, he says, he, uh, Titus 2 verse 12, he talks about denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly and righteously. In this. And how do you do that? You take in God's word of who you are, rightly divided. And you go live that. If I sat up here and said, you can't wear but black sackcloth and that'll clean you up. No, all it's going to do is give you the itches. That's all it's going to do. But if I can come in and you can read God's word and you can say, hey, this is who I am and I ought to walk worthy of the vocation. I ought to be walking worthy of him. And how do I do that in all knowledge and wisdom and understanding, Colossians 1 says. Knowing what the will of the Lord is. By the way, the will of the Lord is next week, okay? That's where we're at. Look at, uh, you're in Psalms 119. Look over at verse uh, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What lights the way? The word does. Verse 130. The entrance of thy word giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. It comes in and it shines light and it, and it equips the believer. Look at verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled where? Do you know that the word of the Lord is settled forever where? Notice that verse very carefully. 
Because sometimes we use verses, I don't think we read all the little words in there. Because I've heard people say, it's settled forever in the King James Bible. That's not what that verse said. For English-speaking people, it's in the King James Bible. You speak Spanish, you got one, you got to go find it. I don't speak Spanish, so I don't worry about it. If you want to know, there's some folks over in Lithuania right now translating uh, King James Bible into whatever they speak over there, then that's where you're going to find it. But you know who's going to go looking for it? The believer is going to go looking for it. Because the believer knows and understands what's coming and how it happens. But forever, O Lord, thy word is settled where? In heaven. Where does he sit? (laughs) In heaven. Settled in the Father. Verse 152. Concerning thy testimonies, I have known of old that thou hast formed them, I'm sorry, founded them forever. It's settled forever. Come over to chapter 33 of Psalms. So you get this, I hope you get a feel for, I hope you see what the, what's the book? It's going to be a light, it's going to be a lamp, it's settled, it's God's word, it's written down for you. It's going to tell you how to walk. It's going to show you how to worship. It's going to be able to guide your steps in in your life. Psalms 33, i got to get there, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. The counsel, don't you sometimes want the counsel of the Lord? You just say, I just need, well, guess what? You got it. It's in the word. Verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Wow. What did he do? He spake it. And he spake creation. You know, creation will never move. Now, it's got a sin curse, so we've got uh, degeneration, okay? But what? it's there. And Mark, in our study in Mark, we're looking at the sunshine, the sun and the moon darkening and all that stuff in Mark 13. And everybody gets all hooly doing the blood moon and all this stupid stuff. And you know that in the day out there after the tribulation, after the 70th week is done, and when he's ready to come back, and he is coming back in his second coming, and that sky goes dark. You know why? Because when he comes, he's coming back in the brightness of his coming. There will be no mistaking who he is. But you know what creation did? Creation responded to the Creator and did what it needed to do. It didn't mean that somebody went over there and unplugged the sun. That's just stupidity. He did what? He's got a cloud, and he puts a cloud up there, and he holds it back. Same thing he's going to do with you and I when we meet him in the air in the cloud. Got to think through some of this. Get out of the hysteria. Get over here in your book. All right, I'm off track. John 12. told myself. John, keep on track. John 12. You see, folks, his word, guess what? It's the final authority. It's the final authority in creation. It's the final authority with the Lord himself. It should be the final authority for you and I. John 12. Look, if you will, at verse 48. He that receiveth me receiveth not my word, I'm sorry, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. Now watch, the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. 
What's happening in Revelation 20 when they go up before the great white throne judgment, which is who the, where these people are headed? Who's sitting on the throne? Who's the judge? The Word is. He pulls out those books of their activity. He pulls out that book of life. He says, you ain't there. He gives them their day in court, if you will. And then he says, guilty, because you don't have the shed blood of the Lamb. Deputies, get them. They walk them right over and drop them into the lake of fire. Instant. Bam. First Timothy 5. The Word's going to judge. You remember Paul in Romans 2? He'll judge the secrets of men according to my gospel. Well, where do I find Paul's my gospel? If he's judging the secrets of men according to that, it's in where? Romans of Philemon. We don't have any video of, we don't have a YouTube of the Apostle Paul. But we have what? We have his written word. 1 Timothy 5, verse 18. For the scripture, what? Say it. The scripture speaks. It's a guide to my, it speaks. Remember Matthew 4, verse number 4. The Lord comes out of that temptation there. He says, man shall not live by, the, by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It speaks. Remember, the Lord looks at those guys in Israel and says, have you not read? You do err concerning the... You haven't read this. Speak, it speaks. It's every word out of God's mouth. Acts 1. Acts chapter 1. Am I going too fast? We're, we're, how are we doing on that list? We're kind of down there, aren't we? Getting there? A little, whole, little light at the end of the tunnel? <laughs> Especially for the front row? All right. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. You, you ought to pay attention to Peter in Acts. How he says things. In Acts 2 over there, they're going to say, you guys are a bunch of drunken fools. He says, no, we're just fulfilling what Joel said in Joel 2. Oh, that means Joel 2 is a, is a tribulation, end of, the, end of the days for Israel book. Woo. He says here in, in Acts 1, verse 16, men and brethren, verse 15, and in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, Verse 16, men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took him. And he quotes some, some obscure passage in Psalms 41 and applies it to Judas. And the only way he can do that is down in earlier is that he just spent some time with the Lord, verse 3, and had his understanding open about all that and says, you know what? Judas is gone. We have to have 12 because that's what the, whole, the prophets say. We do. So we got to pick another one here. And oh, by the way, the guy doing the picking isn't any of us. It's the Spirit going to pick the guy, Matthias. But how did the Holy Spirit, how did the Holy Ghost speak? By the mouth of David. What did the Holy Ghost do? He come in and he used that human author. The end of Acts 28. Paul is going to say the same thing, verse 25. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed 
after that Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our father, saying, and then he quotes Isaiah 61. What's he doing here? He's speaking by the mouth of. Now the guy, the men aren't inspired. What's inspired? What's being breathed? The words. The God breathed words. And that's what's recognized. The words are what are important. And the testimony. Now, get Philippians 2 and Nehemiah, Nehemiah, Nehemiah 9 and Psalms 138. Nehemiah 9 in one hand, Psalms 138 in the other hand, and Philippians 2 in the other hand. Psalms 138. Nehemiah 9 and Philippians 2. You can do it. Just fold the book over. You guys with the cheaters, just earmark it and bounce around, okay? <laughs> look at Philippians 2. Look at verse 9. Because the, the Son came and He did what was required of the Father. He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death. Wherefore God, that's the Father, also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. So the name, His name is above who? Everything. Right? That's where his name is. Now, go back to Nehemiah 9. Because here's where that reference is. Nehemiah 9, verse 5. The end of that verse, the, the, the middle of that verse. Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever. And blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. So his name is exalted above what? All of it. Psalms 138. Psalms 138, verse 2. So what's important? The name. You remember Peter and John and Acts there with that guy outside the temple? He goes, I don't have money in silver, gold. I don't have any of that. But, but, but I'll give you what I got. And with the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. The name. Remember Pilate and those guys and the chief priests and leaders, they said, we don't care what you do, just don't preach the name. Stay out of the name. Stay away from the name Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Stay away from that. Why? Because it's above all. But look at Psalms 138, verse 2. I will worship toward the holy temple, again, a psalm of David, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. What did the Godhead just do? They said, my name's good, but my word is better. See that? I've magnified my word. David doesn't do that. He says, thou hast magnified. Who did that? God did. That's who did that. So his word is dear to him. Come on over to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. Matthew 22 and verse 31. Matthew 22, 31. Matthew 22, verse 31. The Lord is speaking here. He says, but as touching the resurrection of dead, have ye not read, there's preservation, 
that which was spoken unto you by God saying, and there's your inspiration in one verse. They're together. Have ye not read? Now, that, that passage there that he's going to quote, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, that's out of Exodus 3. Do you think he had the original? No. He had a copy. If you just take the, the Luke 4 passage, the Lord is in the synagogue, and he says, bring me, bring me the copy of Isaiah. And they bring him a copy of Isaiah 61. And remember, he reads down through it and he stops short so he doesn't fulfill the rest. And today is the day of salvation. What was he reading? A copy. Well, but Rick, that's the Lord. He would know. No, that's what was read daily. Moses is read daily in the synagogue. What are they reading? They're reading copies. Chapter 8 of Acts. You got Philip and the Ethiopian. What's that Gentile reading? He ain't reading the originals. He's a Gentile. He's reading a copy of Isaiah 53, and Philip climbs up in the buggy and helps him out. 1 Timothy 5, verse 18, Paul's got copies of Deuteronomy. He's got copies of Luke when he quotes them there about muzzling, don't muzzle the ox. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, Timothy has a copy of, and the Holy Spirit called the copy Holy Scriptures. Peter, in 2 Peter 3, he's got copies of Paul's epistles. God ain't worried about running the copy machine. He's got people designed in all through history whose job it is to preserve the Word of God, and you do it by multiplicity of copies. If we all have a copy of God's Word and we find an error but everybody else is good to go, but mine's wrong. Who's wrong? Me. See? So we take mine and use it for kindling, and we get going. Now, come over to Colossians chapter 4. In the Old Testament, the tribe of Levi's job was the preservation of the Scriptures. They were to make a copy for the king. When the king sat on the throne in Israel, he was to receive a, his own personal copy of the law. That means the guy came down there, sat down, and he copied it out, and he handed it. The king was never to hold the original, if you will. He was to have a copy. Today, in the age of grace, it falls to the local church. Colossians chapter 4. If you just read verse 15, salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and... and uh, Nymphus and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. What's going to happen? There's two epistles here. By the way, one scripture, one's not. The, the one written to Colossae, what does he say? Cause it to be read where? Across town. So how are you going to do it? Could you imagine receiving? Come over to 1 Thessalonians 5. Could you imagine receiving an epistle made out the Southwest Bible Fellowship? <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Actually, all 13 epistles are, are written to the church at Southwest Bible Fellowship. Just got to change the name. Okay, why? Because we're members of the church, the body of Christ. Who did he write to? 1 Thessalonians 5, 
Look, if you will, here at verse 27. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. How is that going to do? In the early days, before the canon of Scripture was concluded, the gift of the prophet was given to the church, the body of Christ, for the sole purpose of identifying, yea, hath God said. Here's what the word of God is. When Paul said this, and he wrote this to Colossae, the spirit through the prophet said, that's the word. That one goes in the binder. This one, Laodicea, goes on the bulletin board for all to read. You're going to take this one, and you're going to make a copy, and you're going to send it over to Thessalonica, and then, you're going to, and then you're going to make a copy for all of the people in the assembly, so then they have what? Their own personal copy, and that's what the prophet did. That's all the prophet did, because God wasn't talking through the prophet. God was talking through the apostle Paul. That's why in Ephesians 3, he says, made known unto all his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Paul got the information directly from the Lord, went out and taught it, preached it, wrote it, and the Spirit comes in and validates it through the office of the prophet, the gift of the prophet. You with me? Now we're going to have round robin. We're going to write this all out, and off we go. So who's responsible for keeping the Word of God in circulation? According to Colossians and Thessalonians, the believing element and the church, the body of Christ. Those who have not forsaken Paul, those who have not forsaken right division and dispensational Bible study, it's our job to keep it in print. So guess what we're going to do? We're going to do Hebrews 10, where he says, Lo, in the volume of the book it is written concerning me. And we're going to pay attention to the books that promote the Lord Jesus Christ, actually the book that promotes the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to discard the books that don't, the books that deny him and take away from him and his grace and what he's done that high dispensational Bible study, and don't promote who the Lord is and what He's doing today. And we discard that. So when we come to the Word of God, again, come back there to Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8. Folks, it is our final authority. Why? Because God said it is. It's what's going to put light to your ways. It's what's going to be the final judgment in the day. It's what's going to come along and give you the counsel of the Lord and work with you and rescue you when you get off beat. Because we do tend to get off beat. 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. What? Rightly dividing the word of what? Truth. Not rightly dividing, you know, whatever. I had papers. I was going to read it, but I didn't. I, I'll do it one day. Where it compared the NIV of 1998 or nine with the current IV and NIV. You know what? The, the new NIV corrects the old NIV. It's just phenomenal. The, the 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 angst. But we should not be surprised because what did Satan do in Genesis three? Yea, hath God said? It's always been the attack. Nehemiah eight. We'll close here. Verse 8, so they read in the book, in the law of God, how? Distinctly. And gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Wow. That's what the prophets were to do. The Apostle Paul says to you and I, consider what I say and the Lord give the understanding in all things. So as we move, and we're going to talk about the will of God and, and His activity and so forth in the grace life, 
I'm not coming to you from a theologian or a scholar or a, 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 a bend. We're coming from what the Word says, because that's the final authority. It is the final determinant of all of our walk, our practices, and our faith. It sits right here. For you and I in English, look at Romans 16. Just, sorry. Romans 16. In English, for you and I today, as English-speaking people, it sits in a King James Bible. The King James Bible is the only Bible out there on the market in English that protects the Lord Jesus Christ, promotes the Lord Jesus Christ as who He is, God. It's the only book that promotes and protects the Apostle Paul and the distinctive ministry given to him. It doesn't hide it. It promotes it, puts it out there. So that's where we're at. The end of verse 27, 26, just real quick. The uh, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. God never intended His Word to only sit in English. He intended it to be in what? The languages of all nations. So translating is not a problem. Okay? So when you talk to someone who speaks a different language, then what are you gonna what are you gonna encourage them to go do? <laughs> Find the Bible in their language that promotes and protects the Lord Jesus Christ, promotes and protects dispensational Bible study. Then you'll find it in their language. Okay? The final authority, folks, sitting right here. Why? Because that's what God said. It's not in the men. It's in the words found on that page. Studied, rightly divided. Okay? All right. Don't Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. And above all, Lord, we thank you for all that you've given to us, for the oracles of God, for, for the word that you have given to us, for all that... That word, your word, promotes and guarantees to us. And to say that we don't have it is to say that your guarantee, your seal, isn't adequate. When in reality, it's all that we need. And it's all of the confidence that we need. Is this in your word? In your name we pray.